ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago sports conversation with Adam go, Hogue. Go, 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 go. This is Sports Central. Welcome in. Oh, man. Bears controversy. We love it when that happens. It makes it fun to argue. And, oh, this has been a polarizing topic. Mark Carmen, welcome. I might really go somewhere that I shouldn't go today. I'm just going to leave that out there as a tease. Because I did have an argument about this with a very prominent Chicago media member as to what would happen when the Bears did not tender a wide receiver in Cam Meredith that they should have given the full offer to so you wouldn't lose him to the New Orleans Saints, Adam Hogue. I think it's kind of a, another moment in the Ryan Pace career where you gotta he just leaves you scratching your head. What are you doing, well, sir? Wait, are you protecting media Members now? Well, I, okay, I mean, fi- okay, fine. I got into it with Hub Arkish on, uh-huh. on Sports Talk Live, and I said, why wouldn't you give him the max amount and attach a draft pick to him leaving? It seems like you're trying to push him out the door. Why would you do that? Let him? And he's like, no, no, no. They're definitely keeping him. They're definitely keeping him. That's why, because they don't care what's offered. They're going to keep him. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. Well, they didn't keep him. And then they didn't keep him. So, score one for at the Carm, damn it. I, <laughs> I guess so. All right, uh, well, welcome into Sports Central. Adam Hogue, Mark Carmen here with you. We're going to talk a lot about uh, the Bears here on this episode. And I have a conversation a little bit later on with White Sox broadcaster Jason Benetti, who was nice enough to come over and visit the booth for uh, about 20 minutes earlier this week. Uh, we got a little bit of, into Jason it was more. Trust me, it's more about Jason than it is White Sox, and it's a very interesting conversation with uh, you know the up and comer broadcaster in this town who I think is going to be around for a really really long time. He's uh, us. He is excellent. That, and the, uh, that broadcast is excellent. They really do a great job. And the and the does inter- anybody hear it? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh wow! Well, Come on, wait, man. Wait. Who is that? <laughs> wait a minute. Where'd that voice come from? It's I, Glenn Kozlowski, who uh, we have on the phone to talk Bears. Koz, what's up, buddy? What's up, guys? I'm sorry. It just was. It was so easy, and I just had to take a swing. Right. Well, that's what you do. It's fair. Uh, it, it, yeah. it is true. They don't exactly have a ton of listeners right now. The White Sox are not yet to the point in the rebuild where everyone's tuning in. Eventually, that's hopefully coming, but uh, they're still doing great work, Kaz. It doesn't matter how... You, the kids don't care how much you know, Kaz, until they care how much you, know how much you care, right? Yes, exactly. Um, if that's what you want to believe. No, I mean, look, it's they're on WGN now, so they're going to become a part of Chicago. That's all. That's right. That's right? exactly right. Yeah. Let's just call it what it is. Look, the Cubs were made by WGN. Now we're going to make the White Sox. That's I like that. I like that thinking. I like that. Well, uh, uh, somebody who is no longer part of Chicago is Cam Meredith, who, I don't know, two years ago was like the only competent player on the entire team, and and now they're just letting him walk away to New Orleans. I, For yeah. no money. Well, I don't get it. Well, look, Adam, let's be honest. He was a quarterback in college. True. So let's stop with the crazy talk. I know Mark Carmen loves to rant and rave, but <laughs> truth is, this guy wasn't going to make you a better football team. Uh, I mean, it, sure, m- Mark, me, and you lining up, you know, last year would have made the team better. <laughs> Especially but that position. Real NFL players will make them better. He's... Uh, He's, you know, he's he's a work in pro- uh, progress. He he got an injury, had a serious injury. Um, do you want a guy that is documented and has put production up, or do you want a guy that you hope might be productive when they have the same kind of injury, right? Yeah, but they don't have wide receivers. I mean, they got they got they signed Allen Robinson, who you know sh- should definitely be better than anything they've had. Uh, you know, hopefully he's better than even Alshon Jeffrey at, at Jeffrey's peak. But what if he gets hurt? If he gets hurt, they're in the same exact situation they were last year when Cam Meredith got hurt, which is, oh, Kevin White all of a sudden has to be the guy he's never been and be a true number one. You know, I, I hope that Taylor Gabriel is is good, but this, he's like the most catches he's ever had in the season is like 33 or something. So right. I, I, I know. I. I hear you loud and clear, but here's what I'll say. Let's let's backtrack for a second. 
And here's what I would say. In the Bears Super Bowl season in 1985, right, you had Mike Dicka, you had Jim Finks, who had passed, but had really built this team. You had Jerry Venisi, and you had Bill Tobin. They had a plan, and they stuck with the plan, and that's why the Bears were successful up until the early 90s, because they knew what they were drafting and how they were drafting. When was the last time the Bears went to the Super Bowl? That 2005, would... right? 2005, I'll beat you guys to the punch. What did they have? Well, you know, you had, uh, what's his name? Uh, what was the goof? Uh, good guy, but our, our uh, a GM at the time, Jerry Angelo. And you had Lovey Smith. Well, they're, they had a plan. They were going to play great defense, and they were going to pound the ball and run. And they stuck with it. We, For crying out loud, we had Rex Grossman at quarterback, right? And they went to the Super Bowl. So I guess what I'm getting to is, I don't know. You know, I've been harder on uh, Ryan Pace than anybody, but he was he was saddled up with John Fox. This is his legitimate pick as the head coach. And if they have a legitimate plan, and what I mean by that, you know, if you're going to pass the ball, you're going to load up with receivers. You know, I think he did a good job in identifying the quarterback. We'll see. But I mean, you know, it really there was two two schools of thought there because they overpaid a guy that basically couldn't play quarterback if you, you know, I mean, it, it, well, we could have played quarterback. Mark Harmon's a better quarterback than Guan and what. And that's not disrespectful to you, Mark, because you're a pretty good wide receiver, right? God bless you, Kaz. Thank you so much. I feel validated right. on so many well, levels. I mean, you, you sure you had a, 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 what was it, a, a grade one separation on your shoulder diving for a touchdown pass in the Turkey Bowl in Buffalo Grove, right? It, it was a tremendous, I, I love that you remember it was in Buffalo Grove. Yes, in the right corner of the end zone, full out, landed on it, and my <laughs> shoulder felt like, I, I mean, it was a grade one thing that you wouldn't have even felt, and I needed to go to the hospital. I mean, I was right, calling but, up everybody. Where's the ice pack? Right. This is brutal. Right. right, but what I'm getting at is, look, we got to give Ryan Pace, and this pains me to say this, guys, but I'm going to say it. He's got his head coach in place. Let's see what he does. You know, with John Fox, he was a bumbling fool. And John Fox, it, when I say that, he was a tremendous professional coach. His record says that he was a great coach. But he was on the twilight end of his career. So now you have a young GM coming in, and he's trying to, you know, um, fit or do what John Fox wants to do instead of building his own team. And I think what Jerry Angelo and Lovey Smith did, and people can say whatever they want about either one of those guys, they were the sec- second most successful tandem in Chicago Bear history, right? Wow, is that? They had a plan. That's embarrassing. That is. I know, but they had a plan. They made it to the Super Bowl, and I. I still contend if they would have played on a dry field, they would have won that game against the Colts. I really believe that. Now, maybe that makes me goofy, but I'm telling you. You know, one thing I could tell you, I was on the original uh, West Coast offense in college, and our biggest games were in snowstorms and in bad weather because we knew where we were going and the defense would fall down and it's a touchdown. Well, so, I, do, I do agree with you that, they they could have won that game. I don't think they were the better team, but they could have found a way to win that game. But more importantly, I Carm, we have I think we have a significant development here. Because, you know, the three of us have talked about Ryan Pace a lot on Bears post games for the last I just want to fire up. three. You're right. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like Ryan Pace has won over Glenn Kozlowski in the last three months since we've talked. And, and let me let me jump in here, if I may. I think what's happened here, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to analyze the inner cause without your approval, but I think <laughs> Matt Nagy, coming off the Andy Reid tree, and you, you appreciate Andy, that... Uh, I think he's won you over with the, with the choice of the head coach. I think that's where this is coming from. Am I wrong? You're both wrong, uh, but you're <laughs> right. You're you're both wrong, but you're right. Here's what I'm saying. And, you know, Adam, you and I had that argument round and round, and I always felt bad sometimes because you're hanging up like, okay, guys, I've already answered it a hundred times. Yeah, the truth a- of the matter is Ryan Pace is a young guy, and he got – Put into a tough situation. Now, you know, unfortunately, the Bears tend to do that to their GMs and their coaches. 
But he finally has his own coach. I don't know if he's going to be a good GM or not. I'll be honest with you. You know, I, I don't fret over uh, Cam Meredith because, I, quite frankly, I think he's at best a solid wide receiver, not a great one. Now, when you compare it to what they've done in the past, but, you know, was that Fox's influence along with his coordinators or was this Ryan Pace? So now at least Ryan Pace has his guy. And they have a plan. Whether it works or not, you know, we'll see. You know, I mean, the, the beauty of it is they've got a few more years, and Ryan Pace bought himself a little more time. But, you know, be, it, you still have the draft coming up. You still have a lot of things that will happen. And, you know, you've seen teams piece together winning seasons. And, you know, look, the only reason the guy from Jacksonville was available because Jacksonville went to the AFC championship game, right? Let's be honest. Well, and he also tore his ACL, too, which had something right, to do with it. What I'm getting at, though, is because they had great success in Jacksonville, he became less important because they're thinking, hey, we were you know, we were two or three plays away. Yeah. They still have a quarterback issue. I, I would take our quarterback over their quarterback. I mean, you know, let's say that. I'll, I'll go on record as saying that. Well, uh, look, I take our guy. You do bring up a good point. That the draft's coming up, and they had to play right. some. You know, this isn't this isn't August when Cam Meredith got hurt last year, and you didn't have enough depth. They still have an opportunity to add more depth, and that makes a difference. But what's in, here, here's the thing: I, I actually agree with you that we're probably making a too big of a deal here about Cam freaking Meredith. The the issue I have here, Cousin, and it's fun. This is funny conversation because usually I'm the guy that's defending. Right, Ryan you're Pace, on the other end, and, right? and it's you're like we we, we flip flop. Right. But because I always like to look at the process of the decisions, okay? And what I my, I don't really care too much that they didn't match five point four million dollars. That does seem like I don't know. I actually think it's an okay deal, but wh- whatever. If they if their medical people said that knee is too big of a concern to guarantee him five point four million dollars, then you trust your doctors. What I have a problem with is the original tender decision that they made. So they were willing, with whatever medical information they had, to say, well, he's worth $1.9 million to us, but he's not worth $2.9 million, where you can also attach a second-round pick. Also, guarantee the, basically, you'd guarantee the fact that he's on your roster. Now, we're just talking about a measly $1 million here for a guy that you either feel his knee is sound or it's not sound. Because if it's not... Then you shouldn't even be giving him one point nine million dollars for a guy with a bum knee, right? But right, you're right. Except for in today's NFL, that's chump change, right? Exactly. So, but so is right, the extra the fact, million. The fact that they didn't do that, where they were going to have to, you know, actually give him two nine. Because what happened if nobody makes the offer? They're stuck with the guy, and then now they just added two point nine to their cap. One nine. I mean, look. I know it's only a million dollars, but it matters when you add it all up, right? Because you got a hard cap in the National Football League, and we're so bad across the board that you're looking to get younger. And I just, you know, I I, I, I get what you're saying because you are right, Adam. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but what does make sense is that they should have never even pursued him because I just didn't see him. He was okay. Before he got injured. Well, and, and but that's part of know, my point too, Kaz. He's going to be better, right? I mean, right. he's not going to get better. He's going to get worse. So but you're uh, right. Again, because. I'm just looking for the logic, and and uh, you're absolutely right, Kaz. If if they just decide that, that okay, we don't care for him very much. He doesn't fit Matt Nagy's system. His knees shot, whatever. Then you don't give him the 1.9 to begin with. You just say bye. You yeah, know, but, yeah, and that's think, fine. and I would have been fine think, with that. But Adam, think about this. What if nobody offers him anything? Now you got him for one nine. So you, you know, you're thinking, okay. And again, like we all are talking about, he's still an improvement compared to the stiff they have on the roster currently, right? We all agree on that. I, I think he would have been lined up as the number two wideout to start the right, season, which is scary as it stands today, right? Well, yeah, sure, so, absolutely. Okay, so if you could get him for one nine and nobody else makes an offer, then as a number two, that's that's a really good deal, is it not? Well, yeah, but that's my point on it. Like, look, he's probably your number two wide receiver. You're trying to make the you're trying to do everything possible to make Mitchell Trubisky look like your quarterback of the future. You're bringing in a new coach, you're bringing in a new coordinator, trying to do everything to set him up. 
Invest in Cam Meredith for $2.9 million for one year. No one's going to pull him. He's been a hardworking guy. He's earned that right. It's not a lot of dough. And now you're you're looking for a receiver, and it's real late in the game. I, I so I, no, it's not. I mean, look, I I still think we overvalue the receiver play. I, look, it's you know you it, guys that can run routes. Here's the problem: the Bears just don't know how to identify, or they haven't identified what legitimate football players are, and they get caught up in all the numbers and all the other stuff. And truthfully, you know the the, the best wide receivers are not the fastest guys; they're the guys that can get out of the breaks quick quickly and could actually have the courage to catch the ball over the middle and get crushed, right? I mean, let's be honest. But those are two of the things that you really have to possess. And, you know, the big guys, if they can go vertical and could win the jump ball, and then that's something you invest in also. But you don't want a post-up offense because we saw that at the end with, you know, all the guys, Marshall and, uh, you know, what was the goofy guy, the unicorn, and everybody else at the tight end <laughs> position that were, you know, they were all goofy guys, but they were all post-up players, right? I mean, yeah. you threw the ball high and they would jump up and catch it. No, none of them could run around, including Alshon Jeffrey. He ended up in the greatest place in the world because he had route runners and then him who could go vertical sure. and post up and catch the ball. I mean, you know, uh, watching Philadelphia on their run, it wasn't like he was a tough guy over the middle. Would we all agree on that? Well, the amazing thing is, Kaz, his numbers were worse last year than they were his last year with the Bears. The difference was right. he was on the Eagles. He wasn't on the Bears. Right. So everything right. looked right. a lot better. Right. And they would throw a couple of Hail Marys or, you know, post up ball to him, and he'd catch it. And so we thought, oh, what a great season he's having. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the point is, look, you, you've got to go back to identifying what you're trying to do. Are you going to, you know, and I, I hate to say this, but I still think that, you know, it sounds old school, but, the best defenses are always going to be there in the end. They may not win, but they're going to be there. Jacksonville made it to the AFC Championship game because they had the best defense in the NFL, right? Would we agree on that? Horrible quarterback. Yep. Horrible. So you can advance and go far. What do you think the Bears uh, fan base would do if the Bears made it to the NFC Championship game? Win or lose, they're jumping for joy. I mean, they're thrilled about that because it's been so long. So it's, it's not hard to do if you understand what you're trying to do and how you're going to do it. And then you identify the players, and you don't get caught up in speed, height, weight, or, you know, like Mark Carmen, he'd be a number one draft pick. Adam, you and I, we'd be uh, free agent. We're probably better football players, but Mark looks better. Mm, I don't know if I agree with you that. You get that? I'm just talking about what? Well, you're a handsome guy, too. So, yeah. okay, maybe... You two guys are ones, and I'm a three. I, I dress better, at least. That's true. You do look good today, by the way. Thank Strong you. Strong look on him, Kazi. Hey, hey, Kaz, let, let me. I want to ask you a quick quarterback question. Who, who do you? I don't know how much you've watched them, but between Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, uh, we could throw Lamar Jackson in there. Who do you think is the best quarterback? Baker Mayfield. Jackson, not even close. Do you really? Wow. I do, and everybody, you know, people tell me I'm nuts, but you watch. He um, he he actually throws the better ball better than Cam Newton does. He's not as big as Cam, so don't get me wrong. You know, but he's bigger than um, you know the kid uh, Michael Vick that came out of Virginia Tech. You know, years ago, he's fast, but he he actually in in an NFL system, the kid reads reads uh, reads uh, you know reads coverages and throws the ball, but he can beat you with his feet. Do I think he's going to be, you know, they're trying to say RG3? No, I don't think he'll be like him. I, I think he's going to be more like Cam Newton, but he won't run as much. But I think he's a better thrower. Having said that, you guys all want me to say, you know, the kid from FC or UCLA. But I'm just telling you, from the first time I saw that kid playing, I just thought, wow, this kid, you know, he just changes the game. And he does. And I know in the NFL you can you know you could destroy a quarterback, but if he flies, not like you could touch him. He is electric. I mean, he is. And, and actually, I've talked to people who think he's a better passer than Michael Vick was coming out. Oh, he is. There's no question. I think he's a better passer than Cam Newton. Yeah. And you know, I, I and there was a time there where when Cam is interested, is there any better quarterback in the NFL? You know, it's really tough to say because it almost 
it sounds like I'm saying, well, he's not always interested. But, you know, I don't think he was interested against the Bears that one Sunday that they came here. Didn't look like but other it. other times when he looked interested, he, you know, he, he could win games and he could put the whole team on his shoulders. I still I hate that guy's footwork. Be a, I think he's a great player. And, you know, we'll see. But I, I, would, uh, I would have no problem if I'm an NFL GM going after this kid, and you're going to get him at a good price, too. That's the good news with him. It's not like you got to draft him in the top five picks. Cause you seem to like the Matt Nagy hire. What are we going to be talking about in this fall? Are we going to be talking about more Bears victories, at least, you know, no. hopefully? Well, it depends what they do in the draft. I mean, they're so weak across the board. Their guard playing is terrible. We have a horrible center. I want Quentin Nelson really bad, Cause. Well, that would be great, right? But, I, yeah. but you get what I'm saying. They are so bad across the front line. They're not real good on the D-line. And you can't win when you're bad there. So until they prove, improve there, you know, there'll be improvement. I, I don't know if I like this guy, you know, uh, as, as a hire as much as I, I like the fact that Ryan Pace got his guy, and now – there's no more excuses. Let's see what he does in the next two years. It seems, I guess that's what I'm, you know, maybe maybe I'm excited about the fact that there's no more excuses. He's now on the clock. You're excited he that the bubbling loafer is not out there. in the room, right? Can't be the smartest guy in the room and move up one pick and, you know, give up half your draft and everything else. If anything, if they move down, you know, if the kid goes early, you move down. And you try to, you know, capture more picks, right? Uh, that would make sense. We are, I mean, Ryan Pace is unpredictable at this point in the draft. I, well, yeah, no, he's the guy that will always move up and then tell you, well, uh, you know, this team said they were going to take him. Uh, you know, the, the guy from San Francisco, John Lynch, <laughs> fleeced us, and he was on the job for about 10 minutes. <laughs> he fleeced the 10-minute uh, period of time, so... But having said that, I, I don't know that I blame Ryan Pace because I think Ryan Pace really genuinely loved um, Trubinsky and kind of was sucked into the John Fox Glennon deal. Is my opinion on it? Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think. You you trading Jordan Howard because they want to have somebody who can catch the ball out of the backfield because that, that's out there right now. Trade Jordan. Nobody on your roster is not untradeable. Yeah. Except for, you know, you're not talking about the, uh, the Super Bowl team, right? I mean, it, does it really matter? I, I, not that I'm saying, you know, you, you want to build your team around Trubinsky, but if somebody's going to pay you a boatload, I, I would trade anybody at this point. Because there's, it, it, who's going to, right now, as you look at the roster, how many wins do you guys see them getting? Six and a half, seven. Right. So why wouldn't anybody be tradable, right? If you could get more, of course you trade them. And I, I'm not, you know, I, I love Jordan Howard. I think he's a, he's a, you know, he's a great running back. There is a, there is a timeline on all running backs, but I think the kid still has a lot of juice left. But if you can get more draft choices, you can improve your roster. Everybody's tradable. Cause who do you think's untouchable on the team? Well, Trubisky's not going anywhere, right? But you yeah. get what I'm saying. Oh yeah, I oh, called him up and said, "Hey, we'll give you two number ones and a, a four. You wouldn't trade him." Well, here's a hypothetical: What if Denver says we'll tr- we'll trade you our number five pick for Jordan Howard? We'll move back three spots for Jordan Howard because they they seem to be in the market for a different running back and trying to move on from C.J. Anderson. And you're going, okay, I'll go get Barkley. Uh, sign me up. I'll take Saquon Barkley right now. Yeah, I well, yeah, I, I would be with you because you get to move up. Yeah, I, I again, the Bears are, but I would want to get more than just a move up and or a bump up. You know, you'd still want. I and you're right though. That is a lot in the NFL. So yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Sure, Cause, great talking football with you again. Cause I miss guys, you. And, you know, for the first time, Mark, and especially Adam, you're you're confused tonight, aren't you? You're like, wait a minute, I'm <laughs> the guy supposed to be defending the Bears, and I'm I'm not saying that you know Ryan Pace is great. I'm just saying the clock is finally running, and I really hope you know because I really like the guy. I don't think he you know, he's a young guy, but 
I think he could be a good GM, but he and the head coach have to have a plan, and then they got to stick with it. And pretty simple. No more John Fox press conferences that we all have to sit through and. Yeah, I don't know how you did it, to be honest with you, Adam, because, you know, Mark, I mean, we would even go John Fox free because he would just, he would sound so dumb and would just say nothing all the time. And it was like, come on, just just say we suck. I don't care. Say something, right? (laughs) I had to do it five days a week. Hey, John, can you just say that you guys suck right now? Is that okay? Well, no, I don't think we do. We're just not making enough plays. You know where the media is so embarrassing is that that guy gave the media absolutely nothing, and (laughs) then he gets fired, and then what do we do? Hey, John, can we give you a fat check to come out here and talk football? As if he's ever said anything interesting ever, yet we're going to pay the guy to do it. Don't reward that dude. Well, this is the way the world works, and, you know, that's the National Football League. Don't kid yourself, guys. It is a big business, even though it is the uh, biggest charity, 501C, in in the world. It is a a big business, right? Oh, it definitely is. All right, Kaz. And they take care of their own, right? Right or wrong? (sighs) Yep. Yep. At least no other team hired them to coach. That, that we can well, at least find you know, logic would, in that. If you hired him to coach, you would be fired within <laughs> a year or two as a GM. I mean, oh, of yeah. course not. Yeah. It would have to take some owner that is basically eating crap, crackers and wearing diapers to hire John Fox, right? That's a soundbite right there. <laughs> it's true, though. Am I right? I mean, think about it. They would have to be feeble mind yeah, and completely lost all ability to do anything. But the guy, the, guy like John Fox, the, the, you're, you're in a diaper and you're eating crackers. That's the, it. The guy was a fairly respected coach before he came here, just for the record. He, yes. came, he oh, was. No, I, listen, I'm not I, – I, and I think I said that in the beginning, right, guys? I said, look, his, his, his history, his record says he was a tremendous pro coach. But they all, everybody has an expiration date. You know, the day I couldn't take two steps forward, I couldn't play uh, in the NFL anymore. Um, the day that John Fox couldn't remember his name was the day he couldn't coach anymore. I, I, I still am flabbergasted how bad of a coach he was. It doesn't make sense. This, this, guy, was, this guy made the Super Bowl twice. And, and, right. and nothing he did on Sunday in three years for the Bears made any sense. But, you know, if you really watch <laughs> the Denver team he coached, they were loaded with talent, so he couldn't screw it up. And that's why he got fired, because he was awful in Denver, but he, he had such a talented defense, and he was able to make it every year. And then uh, it was very alarming when they won the Super Bowl the next year. Right. Without him. With a guy that could throw a 20-yard out. I mean, you know, yeah. Pete Manning, that last Super Bowl, that guy literally couldn't throw the ball more than 25 yards. And they went to the Super Bowl and won it. Yep. Think about it. Mm-hmm. So, all right, gentlemen, you're beautiful men. That's all I got to say. Love uh, you, Cuz. See you, buddy. Right back at you guys. See uh, ya. All right, Glenn Kozlowski. Good to talk some football with him again. And, Carm, can we still talk about this Cam thing for just a second? Sure. Because I'm still, I'm still just kind of struggling with – why a line was being drawn between one point nine million and two point nine million? See, I think For, he, I think he just made. I think he did not know the rules of what he was doing and what was attached to what. I think he just. I just think he flubbed it. It would say that would make. Not that I would excuse. But I ha- it. I, he was in too high of a position in New Orleans to not know the rules. Like they had to be part of his job. Okay, let's okay, let's 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 go down that road. He knows the rules. And he didn't have a brain fart. It's harder to explain it that way. Why to back to your original point, why would you be willing to bring him back but not really be willing to pay him 1 million more dollars that's not going to mean anything anywhere. And by the way, you're also tying up your money with him while you're making this offer. So if you like if you're if you were really going to move on, then wouldn't you want all that money free so you could be in the free agent market with that dough? I, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. He, he, and you have a lot of question marks at wide receiver. Allen Robinson may be great, but he's also he's coming off an ACL. Kevin White's coming off eight zillion injuries. Yeah, Cam was too, but let's throw them all in the mix and like see who can who actually can come back. It's hard to play God and be a doctor, man. Something you just don't know. But the the only logical and that's fine. I understand if their doctors are going, "Hey, look, the, man, this was a serious knee injury. We're not sure where he is in the rehab. He might have to start on pup and he might not be ready for the regular season." Okay, then not, you not, so you take that information and you go all right, this guy caught 66 passes for us, 888 yards with Matt Barkley as the quarterback Loved two Matt years Barkley. ago. Is there any chance he's going to be that guy again? Because that guy could be your number 2 wide receiver. And by the way, a pretty good number 2 wide receiver this year next to Allen Robinson. So you go, all right, what's that worth to us? What does our depth look like at wide receiver? And, and the only logical explanation here is that they just decided he's not that good. And that that all right, we're just gonna give him one point nine and and if someone takes him, they take him. And we won't care that much. Right. And that, I And that's a hard one for him. Like but, if that really is his philosophy, it's hard for him to own it. Hey, listen, you know But I just don't agree with that evaluation. Neither do I. I just don't I think he's a better player than that. And so do I. Like can't I like this guy is not worth Three million bucks in today's NFL for what he put up and how young he is and and the character that he brings to the table as well. I'm going to ask you this question: Do you know the answer? Who is the only Bears wide receiver that has been developed here in Chicago since Ryan Pace became general manager? Who is the only wide receiver that's been developed here since Ryan Pace became general manager? Hmm. I have no idea. Deontay Thompson. Let me start naming Randalls. Josh no, Bellamy. Is there any? It's, it's right in front of you. It, 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 so okay, we're talking about Cam Meredith. It's Cam Meredith, right? He's the only guy that they have brought in either yeah. through free agency <laughs> or the draft and made better. That actually developed into a player. This guy's an undrafted free agent who Ryan Pace found and became a sixty-six reception guy in year two. Right, and they and they're just letting him walk away. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. The whole thing's bizarre. Listen, but they do bizarre things. Mike Glenn was a bizarre signing. Bizarre. The Roberto Aguayo. Roberto Aguayo, but bizarre. Getting rid of Robbie, Robbie Gold. Gold. Bizarre. But, which, by the way, this is right up there with me with Robbie Gold, yeah. which is like, all right, it's the kicker. It's not the biggest deal in the world. Okay, we're talking about a two-slash-three wide receiver. It's not the biggest deal in the world. I'm just struggling to see the logic. I'm struggling to answer the question, why? Like, even with Mike Glennon, I could answer the question. They needed a quarterback. They saw a guy who who didn't play much in Tampa. Un, maybe some untapped potential. If you went back and watched his tape, he was okay. You could see how he's still young enough. Maybe you catch lightning in the bottle with him. The $18 million didn't make much sense. They outbid themselves. But I can at least understand why they went after him a little bit. He... I, with Robbie Gold, I, it was just like, I don't get it. Why? 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 Why are you creating a problem for yourself? Same thing here. You have a two, right? Why are you creating a problem for yourself? Well, Robbie Gold at, at the time was like, is this a personal thing? This has to be personal. This, this guy it has to be. You don't like him for some reason that nobody really knows. Maybe you think he's getting too much credit being the kicker. I don't know. The Bears have had what five kickers since they let him go? Jummy you know field goals he's missed since they let him go? Three, two, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that the, the game against the Niners last year, where he kicked five field goals, was so fitting. It was. It, it was the. It was the. I, I. That was the best podcast I've ever done. It was. It was. It, it was like this. If if we could have written this, and I think honestly we probably joked about it before the game in the press box. Right, Robbie. Like, what if the Bears single handedly lose to Robbie Gold? And they did. That that actually happened. Pretty amazing. I just. Right. That so. only happens to the Bears, by the way. It's the most Bears loss ever. So, look, the Trubisky trade is bizarre, and every a lot of people in this, a lot of people back on that. Look, hey, that's who they wanted. That so they went out and got him. Okay, fine, but you know, play poker a little bit better. I, I don't. And and Ryan Pace may end up being a credible general manager. We we don't know yet. But this is just another. And he also comes across to me as like a really smart, on top of his yeah. stuff guy. Well, and 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 by the way, let, let me be fair. I think ninety five percent of the stuff he's done, I've agreed with. Right. It, it, we just came from the Phil Emery era, 
where almost every move was like this. It was like, wait, what? Huh? Shane McClellan? Right. What? What? what, what? Whereas, I I would say it it has actually been refreshing. And part of the reason why I've defended him so much is that his football decisions have lined up with what I would do personally. And I know that's probably like a selfish way to look at it, but like the, the logic is always there, which is maybe why I'm so caught off guard by this because I just, I'm failing to see the logic in this exact instance. All right. Moving on. Uh, we have a excellent interview already taped for you uh, with Jason Benetti, the voice of the White Sox, who is pretty much now full-time the guy now. Uh, Hawks doing some games. 20 Sundays. And Benetti was, well, and, and opening day. Jason was there on opening day. Then, yeah, right? he was doing some other stuff for the Sox that day. But uh, this is a, a fun conversation I had with him at the ballpark uh, just a couple days ago. And really, it's more about him taking over for Hawk. And him growing up as a Sox fan and being in that booth now, um, so we talked a little bit about balancing because he also covers he also calls football basketball games. Uh, it was a very very interesting conversation with Jason Benetti uh, the other day. So we'll bring that to you right now. Adam Hogue here with Jason Benetti at Guaranteed Rate Field, first homestand of the season, and Jason uh, certainly like to see a little bit. More victories, but what's his first homestand been like for you? Yeah, I, you know, I didn't imagine that it was going to be this season that it would be missed opportunities for the offense, right? I mean, you think about the pitching staff, and yeah, there's some young guys and some guys who are older combined. You may have some bumps in the road with the sixth and seventh inning and the bullpen and everything like that. It has been surprising to me, and I think it'll change. You know, runners in scoring position numbers tend to fluctuate through the course of a season, uh, but it's been surprising that the Sox have had so many doors open during this homestand that they haven't closed because I feel like this lineup eventually will do that and that hasn't happened yet. You hate complaining about the weather and making it as big of a... Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't either. We got the windows closed. Have you guys been going windows open? So here's the thing. We live in a democratic society over in our TV booth yeah. where Steve has three votes and I have one. Oh. So we have them closed. Uh, and honestly, the last couple days as we're standing here uh, have been so cold then I'm not against it. Yeah. So part of it, too, is the mindset to me. So when we have football season, and we have Northwestern football on WGN Radio, those guys keep the booths open, or the the windows open, and I'm totally all for that, especially because I'm down on the sidelines cold no matter what. Uh, But baseball... It's a little bit of more gray area. I'm okay with the windows closed. I In 2007, my first season in A-Ball, I kept the windows closed for one of the first games of the year. We were in Salem, Virginia. It was like 30-something degrees out in Virginia. And boy, if I didn't get so much flack from the team when I went downstairs the next day, like, what, are you soft? You, we play in this for yeah. nine innings. You're just sitting there talking. Like, what's the deal? Un- until I got here... I had always had my windows open everywhere after that day. Yeah. Now I appreciate that society has changed enough <laughs> that I'm allowed to do that without catching flack. We continue to evolve as a society. Yes. I, I Norms a, change. Yeah. It, it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, the Purdue guys last year went windows closed, and they heard about it. Trust well, me. Knowing, knowing Robbie Hummel, okay? Yeah. It's pure Purdue soft. He is as soft of a guy... <laughs> As I've ever met. So, okay, good transition there with Robbie Hummel. Because I wanted to ask you about all the different sports you've been doing. Yeah. And, and one thing I'm impressed picking up on, on different basketball games, you were with Dan Dockich a couple times I heard this year, uh, and Robbie Hummel as well. You are you managed to keep this very lighthearted, fun-natured broadcast. No matter, it, it's like you've been calling games with these guys forever, and I don't know how long you've known. Just we'll, we'll just single out those two guys for now. I don't know how long you've known them, but you and Dan were immediately getting into Cubs White Sox arguments in the middle of Big Ten basketball games. But it's fun. How, have you always been able to do that so easily? No, I was uh, loathed for many years. No, I. I <laughs> um, here's the thing: I, sports when you, when you get down to the guts of a game, five four ninth inning, you're doing the game. You, you, are, you are. And most of the time, I like doing the game. But sometimes there are moments for levity. I mean, it's not C-SPAN that we're talking about here. You can mix what we do with some fun. And I'm blessed to be able to be with 
partners who are willing to do that. I mean, Dockett showed up with a Cubs tie on. So that's an invitation. Now, did he do that on purpose? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It, was it seems a like something he would do. Yeah. A couple of years yeah. ago, he just shows up in his full troll regalia and does his thing. But I, I tend to think that if you're inclusive with the person next to you, no matter who it is, you're going to have a good time. And I mean, thankfully, too, with ESPN, these guys are pros. Like Robbie Hummel, and, and I was joking about him earlier. I was serious about him being soft, but I was joking about him in general because uh, he is soft. Uh, He's got a Cubs avatar on his Twitter, by yeah, the way. Okay. He was tweeting at me wow. during the game, which wow. is, and he claims to be a fan of both teams. I hope he hears this. Yeah, you can't do that with a Cubs avatar. Yeah, yeah. So, but the point being, you got pros and people who, Robbie's such a great storyteller, and Dan's such a great storyteller, and, and they're able to go anywhere. And Stoney is, I mean, he's just so remarkable at being able to follow along with anything and also push me certain places. And, and just to have somebody sitting next to you whose mind works like that. You have to take advantage of it because it can take the game to places where the game might not take you. And then later, the game takes you places because it's either a good game or not. I really like the way that you and Steve are able to get into what I would call constructive arguments about baseball. Now, it got a little testy in Toronto there, it seemed like, for a second. but <laughs> So we got some tweets from people like, hey, break it up, you two. Hey, yeah. stop bickering. Call the divorce attorney. That sort of thing. And uh, we were serious about how entrenched we are in our positions, but we both do listen to each other. I mean, yeah, it, it did get a little serious, but for good It's just like you sit it and talk to your friend about what Whatever sure. it is, like who's the best basketball player of all time? You're you're gonna have somebody who says not Jordan, and they're wrong. So you end up getting into that argument. I'm okay with that. Well, in in for instance, here in this booth that we're in right now, it's the pre post WGN radio booth where our mics are only on when we're doing scoreboard updates in the middle of the game. So while we're watching the games, we're having those same kind of arguments about whatever's happening, and so I don't see any reason why you can't bring that the realness to an actual broadcast. No, and and when we do that, it's not a put on how passionate we get about mm-hmm. the argument. Like I I feel like he's missing like what are you doing? What are you doing? And he feels the same way. I mean, he references all the time how much I'm in clown town uh, when it comes to things like sabermetrics and, you know, stats people would use and things like that. Uh, so uh, we do. We get passionate about it, but so do you. So does everybody. Sure. That's, that's why we watch these things. What was that about again? Mm. Where you guys were... Reverse splits, I think. I think it was uh, Randall Gritchick reverse splits. Okay. Maybe. Totally worth getting an argument about. Yeah, I frankly, I lose sleep over Randall Gritchick reverse splits on a nightly basis. Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that was it, but generally it is, you know, sabermetrics versus old school baseball. But the thing is, what's funny about that is one of those games in Toronto, we're in the second inning, and Stoney goes, Well, they've got this stat called barrels. And then he explains barrels. I was like, what? <laughs> Somebody hit you with a mallet? What's going on? He does get it. Like, he does get it, and I get his side, too. Like, I firmly get the underpinnings of why scouts are important and eyeballs are important, but when we are entrenched, we generally go those two directions. But you know what? That's baseball right now. Yes. I mean, that that, that is that defines where we've been now for probably at least five, six, seven, eight years with this new information that's coming in and trying to figure out how to use it. It, it, you know what, as I think about it, it may have been, uh, was it about, no, Jim, we were talking about Jim Cott possibly being, no, that was in the context of Jack Morris. That was a couple of but What I'm finding is, as I go through my mind, a we lot do of, this all the time. Yeah. Uh, no, but that is baseball right now in some ways. But I do think every team, I, I think to say there's one side and the other side is gone. I think every team understands that some mixture of the two is exactly the wheelhouse, and that's where you need to be. But in a situation like we were talking about in Toronto and talking to Ricky Renteria about it after the situation with Gritchick, part of the reason he brings somebody in is the numbers. He'll have Woba, and he'll have batting average, and he'll have slugging and all that against a certain guy. But he also likes to match up the stuff with the player. So if somebody is a bad 
low ball hitter, and he's got a pitcher in the bullpen whose splits aren't great, but he feels like he's going to stay low in the zone, he may go to that person instead because he believes he has better numbers in that circumstance because of the stuff matchup. But but that's both. Yeah. But that's both. You know, yeah. the underpinning is the numbers, and then you say, well, in this circumstance, I might go against the grain a little bit. Well, I, I think that that's applying to more than just baseball, too, these days. I mean, the, there's an influx of analytics in all sports, and, and everyone's trying to juggle. I, you know, I do it with football every fall. You know, what is... I go after the game looking at the, you know, the different pro football focus numbers that are out there, whatever. But during the game, it's, you know, you're feeling the matchups. You're feeling who's who's able to cover who and who's sticking with that. that. And so only so much of it can be analytics, but it is all useful information. Jason Benetti here on Sports Central, Adam Hogue uh, in the conversation. And Jason, do you ever, you know, Steve likes to joke around with all the different towns that you're from. Yeah. Now, because uh-huh. apparently you claim a lot of them. I don't. But, I, <laughs> but in reality, you really are from one town on the south suburbs of Chicago, correct? Yeah, I'm from Homewood. Okay. I mentioned Palos Heights the other day. Yep. Somebody was from Palos Heights, and I said the south suburbs, and Steve claimed that was me saying right. uh, that I was from Palos. I'm not. I'm from Homewood. Homewood. And then we had the discussion about whether or not you can be from Chicago if you are from the suburbs. And I know a lot of people get testy about that thing. I know. I used to. Because I'm actually from the city. Now I live in Vernon Hills. So now I'm the guy I used to yell at Uh when I would say, you're not really from Chicago. Now when people ask me where you're from, I go, I'm from Chicago. And they're like, are you really really in the city? And I'm like, no, 30 miles outside. And it hurts me every single time I have to admit that. But I Is there a it. self-loathing thing that you want to talk about right now? I have some time before yeah, this game. It, it, sometimes it hurts. Is there yeah. a couch? It hurts. We should get a couch in here, frankly. Honestly, you should get a couch. But where I was going with that, though, is uh, you grew up here, Sox fan. Do you ever pinch yourself that, hey, you know, this is, you're taking over for Hawk Harrelson. Yeah. That's, a, uh, that's amazing. Thursday was strange. Being in the booth with Hawk, I mean, like, I'm both 34 and 11 at the same time, you know? Yeah. I, 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 the first impersonation I ever did was Hawk Harrelson. You know, like, as a kid, I'd go running around saying, you can put it on the board. So it's such a, it's, it's a bizarre situation, and it's, it's wonderful in every way. Like, Hawk has been so nice and so great and so uh, complimentary seeing that we do two different games. I mean, we are different mm-hmm. announcers, but the 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 foundation is we both love the Sox. And I think he and I both have an understanding in that regard and he knows that I talk about sabermetrics and I know that he doesn't really like it. Not that I talk about it, but sabermetrics in general. But we do our own shows and we both appreciate each other for what we are and I think that's been that's been the really great part of this whole process is being able to share a booth with him for a little while and, and talking to him even before I started. I mean, he was, he was very gracious and, and it's been, it's been great, but coming here every day, I, during the home opener, I had gone onto the concourse and asked some questions of fans for Hawk. And I spent about two innings sitting with some buddies of mine from high school, just down the first baseline, watching the game from that angle. And I was like, you know what? This is pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, no, I it's it's you know as somebody who grew up here as some someone who loved the White Sox and I told Hawk this you know a couple of weeks ago when he was on with us. I, I don't know how much you guys as play by play guys understand. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I I wanted to make sure he understood this. You know, it's weird. We grow up with baseball and we grow up loving the team and baseball's on every day yeah. and. You, in the course of a day, you see your family. I'm talking about when you're a kid. You see your parents, your siblings, whoever, your teachers. You come home, and there's baseball on. And that person calling the game is like the fifth or sixth person in your life that's there every single day. Not physically with you, but when you're watching games every day, there's three hours of your day where those are the people who you're basically conversing with, even if it's one way. And, you know... For Hawk, I mean, he was the voice of baseball for probably you and me growing up. Yeah. And it, this, in in a way, is a little weird. Um, you, it's a time that, you know, it's going to come eventually. But the other thing I said to him is this transition has been so seamless and so unbelievable. Um, and you're right, because you guys are so different. And yet, it, it, I don't know, it just works. 
I, I think it's because we both know the Sox and love the Sox so much. I, I honestly do. Like you grow up coming to games, and and there is there is always going to be a piece of Hawk in me. It's be, it's exactly what you're talking about. I learned baseball in large part through the prism of Hawk, yeah. but also John Rooney and Ed Farmer and Stoney too. You know, you come home from school. Yeah, I'm a Sox fan, but like, dude, there's baseball on, so I'm gonna watch some. Like I remember Kerry Woods crazy game against the Astros with all the strikeouts and Stoney was there for that that's strange for me too like hey guy that used to be on my television when I came home from school what's going on yeah. and then it then Hawks in the booth and I'm surrounded by like the people who I ate a snack with after school it's 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 but you're right baseball is unlike any other sport in that regard yeah well it's uh the versatility too what Obviously, I'm, I'm sure the answer to this is baseball, but you, as you go through football, basketball season, why do you... First of all, here's a, here's a question. Maybe this is silly. I know my brain's going everywhere. Well, why why do you guys do the whole year when baseball is such a long grind? Like, Why do you want to do football and basketball in the offseason? Because you're not the only one. I mean... No, Dave Fleming, yeah, uh, Corey Provis, Twins Radio, uh, Jeff Levering from the Brewers does other sports too uh i think it's because if when i was 13 you told me that i could work for espn and the white Sox, i wouldn't say well i gotta go on vacation i can't work for espn <laughs> how ridiculous yeah, is that yeah, yeah, for okay. a kid to say and frankly there are components to it that are totally different football you travel with the same crew same crew every week so you get this mini family that you're with thursday through sunday and then you come back home and you live your own life for a couple days and then you go get to be with your family again i mean kelly stoffer my football partner the last couple years is from rural nebraska he lives in a town that i don't think has an actual name he just he just lives on a ranch it's just called unincorporated probably even below that like not it's just like is the name of the town. So I think it's his own town, but he and I have such different views on the world in a lot of ways, just based on where we grew up. I, from Chicago, if I'm allowed to say that, and him from Nebraska, and we had, this was during the election, our first year working together during the election, we had such interesting conversation, and we found such middle ground Part of the reason I love doing football is you get to know the people you're working with so well that you become this cohesive group on Saturday. You have all these elements. Like, there are 100-plus players on each team like that you could think about with scratches and coaches and everything. Like, 100-plus figures. And you have to be ready for everything. And then Saturday, it's just this crush it's like the game's happening in front of you. You have all these players, and it's such a challenge to make sure you tell stories that people are interested in. You tell the game as it's out there in front of you as well. So it's a totally different challenge. And basketball, two hours, new partners sometimes every week, totally different challenge. I just love calling games. Uh, th- th- this whole Sox experience has been unbelievable. And as people have seen... I'm here with the Sox, and then ESPN, when I have gaps to fill, uh, I'll do ESPN, and I'm going to continue doing football because they're very workable with me. I, I was under contract with ESPN when I uh, got signed by the Sox, so I essentially had to call them and say, is this okay? And they said, yes, we'll work with you. So it's perfect. While awesome. that's happening, I, I, why would you say no? Absolutely. No, I understand. And uh, the travel this year is different, right, for baseball? Because yeah. Hawk had been traveling. Yeah, I don't have as many nights uh, ordering pizza to be delivered yeah. to my place to watch the Sox. Uh, I now am with Stoney for dinner. Hmm. At most so which time. was better? The the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's 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 different being on the road. Certainly, the clubhouse is is less full uh, in terms of just people around, and there are fewer obligations. So, you, road is kind of where you get to know the players even better. Right, um, but. I love, I, like, there have been days where I'm connecting in Atlanta to get to Northwest Arkansas. This travel's easy. Like, in the minors, when I was in AAA, we had a flight from Syracuse to Indianapolis through somewhere get canceled the night before because of incoming weather. So our general manager said, you know what? We're just going to get a couple buses. 
and drive to Indianapolis from Syracuse. Like, no matter what happens travel-wise with the White Sox, I have had worse. Yeah. And everybody who's ever been in the minors has had worse. I remember Brian Anderson, the Brewers play-by-play guy, talking about that. What a that guy, by interview. the way. I love Brian. I don't really know him personally, but just as a broadcaster. Great man. Yeah. he was, But he was talking about the same thing, where when he's with the Brewers during the year, everything's so easy, and then when he's doing TNT and all this other stuff that he does, it's it's a lot more complicated. Anyway... Jason Benetti, thanks for coming in here, spending some time. Adam, a pleasure. I, I, I didn't really tell you it was going to be all about you and not really the, the team, but I appreciate you putting up with it. Good news. I was totally prepared for that. <laughs> if I wasn't well-researched on that, yes. we'd have a big problem. Yes, we would. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. Next time we'll talk socks, okay? Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. Deal. Thanks. All right. So a fun conversation there with Jason Benetti at the ballpark. Uh, it was just good to sit down with him and have a conversation. You know, obviously, we work in broadcasting, Carm, so... It's fun to, you know, talk about these gigs and. I have broadcast envy all day. I look up at these guys. Who are you? You're really cool. You're the voice of the White Sox. Yeah, I, I know I'm supposed to be. Uh, you know, you're just a dude. Well, and, and you I, heard in an interview, he's like, like, "Wow, I'm taking over for Hawk." Right. You know, like we're, me and him are almost the same age, and it's like we grew up watching Hawk on TV. It's crazy. It's like, but he, you know, he, uh, you know, Robert Ford's a good friend of mine who's the voice of the Houston Astros, and uh, Benetti used to send Ford tapes when he was at, uh, I want to say Radford College doing games. Okay. So it's just look, that's a guy who knew what he wanted to do, went out and did it, got advice, continued to work at his craft. Yeah. You got you got to respect it. I respect it a ton. So you know, another guy's like that. The the guy who took over for Vin Scully, Joe Davis. Yeah, and uh, and he's just like he's, he's like twenty nine right now, and he's amazing. Like I sit up watching Dodger games, like because I, I I used to always do that for Vin Scully, and now he now Joe Davis is there, and it's like this guy's this guy's phenomenal, and he's younger than me. Makes me feel like an idiot. Yeah, believe me, I walk around <laughs> feel like an idiot all day long as as time marches on over here. But you know, you 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 are where you are, Adam. And age is just a number, and yeah. all that. Of course, maybe we'll get Joe. I'd love to get Joe on on Sports Central when the Dodgers come to town. Joe, why are you so good at your job? How where was this tunnel vision? Teach me how to live my life. You're 29. Yeah, how'd you do that? I don't get it. All right. Um, need to plug something. Hogan Johns. We have a live show coming up. April 17th. It's very quick. That's Tuesday. It's at Dirty Nelly's in Palatine. You had a live show with Johns? Yes. On podcast or on the radio? Both. No, it's not on the radio. It's a live You're doing a live, live audience show. How cool is that? Yes. Dude, that's really cool. Good for you. Jared Payton's going to be there. That's awesome. Love JP. Can you maybe see if you can guess this? A former Bears player is coming. Former Bears player who's coming. Played an obscure position. Played an obs- Patrick Manley's coming. He's coming. <laughs> Patrick Manley will be on the live show at Dirty Nelly. Oh, that's adorable. So uh, come out Tuesday night, 7.30 to 8.30. I have a feeling it's going to go long. Oh, that seems awesome. doubtful we'll get that all in an hour. Uh, so 7.30, Dirty Nelly's in Palatine. Come out, grab a beer, say hi to me, say hi to Adam Johns. More importantly, say hi to Jared Payton and Patrick Manley. That's cool. Should be a good time. Uh, as for this show... What are the Sox doing on that night? Do uh, I have that game? You have that game. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I oh, play yeah, it's, a, it's a late night. Cut. Yeah, they're at, they're at Oakland. Oakland. We split those up. Yeah. I think I got the game the night before. Good planning, Adam Hogue. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It'd be a problem if I didn't plan that right. Uh, all right. Please subscribe. Please rate and review Sports Central. This was a fun... This is really our first in-depth podcast episode. Uh, and it's going to be like this going forward. Not exactly sure what we're doing next week. We'll figure that out. But two weeks from now, I'm really looking forward to this. Terry Bores is coming in studio. Huge. And he's got a new book out. And I love his new book. I love Terry Bores. He knows that. And we're going to have a really fun lengthy conversation. He's going to be here for the whole podcast. It's going to be Terry Bores. He once told me that I was being disingenuous when I was an intern. I said, you had a gr- have a great show. I was walking out. He said, that sounded disingenuous. It's pretty probably accurate. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. I was like, whoa, you just undressed my sarcasm very rapidly there, sir. Well, if you're a new listener, please, please subscribe to the podcast and uh, also check out Hogan Johns. Carm, you, need, you want to plug anything? 
Uh, check out, sure, you can check out On the Mark on iTunes. I, I got a, I had a, talked to a lot of interesting people this week. Did you talk to Joel Montana? I talked to Joel and Jennifer Montana. I talked to Yoel Romero, who's fighting for the middleweight thing in uh, UFC. I talked to who he's fighting, uh, Robert Whitaker. And uh, we had Frank Mir in studio. A lot of I, I'm like Mr. Fight this week. Okay, well, I knew one of those names, Joe Montana. <laughs> Me too, before this week. Yeah, I got it. I got it. All right. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Thanks, Thanks Santa. to Glenn Kozlowski, Jason Benetti. Fun show. Thanks to our producer, Ben Anderson, as well. We'll talk to you next week.